The rest of you can open up to Psalms. We will be bouncing all over the Psalms this morning. Um, <clears throat> we're in a series called Songs for Every Season, and we are talking through the seasons. But these are seasons of the heart. Some of you are inclined to pay attention to the rhythms of your inner life. Uh, some of you do that and you can find yourself being predictive. You, you know the rhythms and the patterns. If that is you, this will feel familiar. If you are careful to pay attention to your inner world and what's kind of going on with that as you respond and react to circumstances and those kinds of things, then what we talk about in this series will feel very familiar. You'll say, yes, that's giving language to what I think about. If neither of those is true, uh, then open yourselves up. You may learn something new in this series. Right in the middle of the scriptures is this songbook, uh, and it gives voice to all kinds of things that you may not even be paying attention to. Uh, just a couple of thoughts about seasons from last week is that seasons come and go, which means that seasons don't stick around. They don't stay forever. Uh, if times are abundant or if times right now for you are bare, uh, take heart and pay attention. Seasons go. Seasons come. So it will be changing. Another thing is that seasons share uh, characteristics. Like one of the most obvious things you could do is ponder for one year sitting in the same spot. Gee, my outer world, my external world goes in seasons. And there are different things that go on in, di in different seasons. There's different activity levels. There's different things happening. There's different things not happening. So it is with your inner world. Finally, each season has its suitable tasks, its required duties, and its necessary constraints. What we're thinking about in this series is how do I capitalize that? How do I capitalize on that? How do I name and recognize even what season of the heart uh, I am in right now? Just by way of review for summer, how is it going with this? I left you with this quote. Seek to cultivate a buoyant, joyous sense of the crowded kindness of God in your daily life. I hope this last week you've been noticing the crowded kindness of God in your daily life on a new level. We just sang a lyric to a really, really old song. Um, and one of the great things about singing hymns, one of the features of this series is that we're going to try and introduce you to some hymns that aren't already in our rotation. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty isn't in our normal rotation. And we just sang this line, ponder anew what the Almighty can do. There are just some great lyrics, some great lines in there that sort of put our minds and, and on, on some thoughts that we don't normally have. The series tone is this. It's ponder and experience more, study and dissect less. So that's what's going on here on Sundays. Jeremiah 3.15, the Lord says this, I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Shepherds who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Some of you immediately go to the classroom. You think, yes, that means opening a book. That means opening an iPad, getting in and studying. And you're thinking cerebral. If that's you, brace yourself. In God's generous classroom, here's the truth of it. There's so much knowledge and understanding that comes through experience. Am I right? It's outside the classroom. 
It's on the the weekly field trip you take outside of this building. We're actually in a book of the Bible that actually may be best read and pondered outside rather than inside. Fall and autumn is the season that we are in right now. And here's one of the things I'm going to do. I am going to not light this candle because I know that there are some of you who are sensitive, scent challenged. You have maybe not, you know, gluten or peanut allergies, but you have scent allergies. So I'm going to spare you the awkwardness of asking if I should light this, but I'm just going to hold this up. This is my apple pumpkin candle. Is there anything more fall than this? There are certain seasons that I light this. I'm allowed to light this right in the middle of summer if it's raining outside. If it's raining outside my office, I open it up, I smell rain, I light this candle, and I feel like I'm in fall. I'm sort of transported. I can sort of get sense of it. It's a Yankee candle, so it's permeating through the glass somehow. Uh, I'm going to leave the lid on even for those of you who might in the front rows be challenged by that. But I'll just tell you, isn't it true that certain scents, like when you think of fall, you sort of you know, hear the, the cackling of the first fire. There are certain scents. There are certain sights that come to mind. If you grew up elsewhere than here. Again, there might be other things that sort of come into play of that. But again, I just want you sort of to to be in this season of fall for a minute. Here is a key thought. It's the thought of harvest. We're going to look at harvest this morning. And, and harvest is one of those sneaky words that is both a noun and a verb. Okay. So, so imagine you're out on the farm and you hear this. Hi, Hank, how's the harvest? That's using it as a noun, right? That's something to see. That's something to measure. He's asking about something. Um, someone else might say, uh, hey, how about a game of horseshoes, Bill? Bill and Hank are names that you hear on the farm, evidently. Um, and Bill says, nah, I got to go harvest the, and then he might name a crop. What is he saying? He's saying, I have to go gather, collect, bring together this, you know, this, this produce that has come to fruition. Now, You're thinking, I'm a suburbanite. Why do I care about this? You care about this because of this reality. The fall season of the heart has things that we can observe in our inner life that have grown up and come to fruition in our life. We could stop and just say, what is like, this is the harvest season. So what is it that, that's, that's abundant inside of me right now? What's going on in my life and my relationships? But it's also a season that has its accompanying activities. That is, there are things you do in the fall that you don't do in other seasons. And we're going to look at that. As you probably have guessed, I'm letting you know that there are songs that give voice to this season. Let me give a quick word on the nature of nature for one second. I want you to think of the word bounty. I want you to think of the word abundance. Sort of what what images come to mind? Don't raise your hand. Don't call it out. Just think in your mind when you think of abundance or bounty. We say something regularly that no one actually believes. You ready? Here it is. You get out of it what you put into it. We say that phrase, but no one actually believes it. Let me show you something. If you just consider how the created order is, the truth is you get way more. If you are an investor, why are you investing money? Because you expect to get something way more than what you put into it. Follow? How about if you are a farmer? A farmer puts something in, but he or she is expecting way more in response. How about an educator? How about a parent? That blood, that sweat, those tears, that money, that time that you are putting into it, you are putting into it with the hope 
The anticipation that there might be abundant bounty coming back to you. Not just what you put into it. Not just the meager amount that you might put into it. Someone once said this, that fall is joy in the key of fulfillment. Fall is joy in the key of fulfillment. Listen to Mark 4.20, Jesus' words. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. You know what preachers do every single Sunday? Preachers preach in hope. I am putting something in that Lord willing will come back in abundance. I'm praying that God would take the seeds of truth, plant them in fertile hearts, and that there would be a bumper crop that comes back from this. It's faith. It's hope. If I happen to get to see and catch wind of some of this hearing and accepting the word that actually bears fruit, that's pure bonus. That's grace. I don't ever demand of the Lord God, I want to see what my efforts produce. That's up to you. But I, that's, that's why preachers preach. Now there's a flip side to this as well. Sort of a dark side. You plant seeds of evil and the harvest is shockingly bad. You put in just a little evil and it comes back worse. You may have heard, sow the wind, reap the whirlwind. That's biblical. That means you put a little in and it brings forth terrible things. This brings to truth, uh, brings to light one other truth about nature that I want to talk about. And that is this. Fall is the season of reckoning. Fall is the season of judgment. Matthew 13, 30 says this. Let both, he's talking about weeds and wheat, let both grow together until the harvest, until this season of time when things are going to come to light. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, even though our outside temperatures tell us that right now we're starting into summer, if you are an educator or a student, if you are part of the educational system, right now is fall. Right now is the fall season, right? Judgment has come. Some of you with trembling hands handed your report card to your parents, right? Some of you joyfully ran and handed your, your report card to your parents. The time for making good decisions about delayed gratification so that you can get a reward someday for students is long gone. All you can do right now in the fall season of the school system is this. You can mourn your poor decision making from some other season and see the, the, the harvest of it. Or you can rejoice over it, or I suppose you could have a mixed bag, right? That's probably the truth of it. There are some mixed report cards out there. But that's what I'm talking about with, with your, within your inner world, there are, there are harvests, there are fall seasons, there are reckoning seasons that don't coincide with our yearly calendar. So today we're talking about fall, reaping, and, and, and here, here's sort of the, the motif we're going with. Um, the reaping and storing of the harvest, and the feasting and thanking God for the harvest. That's sort of the two big categories that I want to look at. So first, um, reaping and storing of the harvest. Turn to Psalm 1. Uh, Psalm 1 is a great place to start here because it talks very specifically about this. Psalm 1 verse 1 says this. 
Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Here's what's being talked about. In another season, there were some things that were avoided by the righteous man of God, by the righteous woman of God. Here they are, not following the advice of the wicked. In another season, there was no hanging out with sinners. In another season, there was no joining in with the mockers. But there were also some things in another season that were pursued. Allowing the word of God to influence and shape you and not the wicked. Uh, This is accomplished by meditations, by thinking deeply on it. This is more than just kind of sampling here and there, getting a little daily verse once in a while, listening to a little little nugget of something. That there's some deep meditation, there's some feasting on this. And another thing that you see that this is being pursued as delight and not duty. That there's a delight to this. And what's the harvest? What's What's being gathered in at the proper time? Refreshment. It's like a tree planted along a riverbank. There's also the harvest of fruit. Whenever the Bible is talking about fruit, it's sort of the visible external results of what's going on internally. Fruit is, part, uh, fruit is the part of the tree that, that, that blesses other people, right? And so you think about the fruit in a, in, a, in a person's life, it's their character. Think of the fruit of the Spirit. That's, these are the things that are, that are coming out of a person's life. Why? Because they're being nourished by God. And finally, we see this harvested by this person, prosperity. Success. Not as the world defines it, but as God defines it. If you were to take refreshment, fruit, and prosperity, in a word you might summarize that, you'd say healthy and whole, right? It's the way the tree was designed to be. The person who is right with God, abiding in God, sees and knows this season. The amount of the harvest, by the way, varies. When Jesus said that there's a harvest that comes from the word planted, it's not up to us. We don't choose the plot of our, of our land. Uh, we, don't, we don't decide that. There are some things we can partner with God to harvest as much as we can. But the point is this. There is a harvest. There is a harvest for the one who is right with God. If we don't lose heart in doing good. And by abiding on the vine. I won't go on to read this. But just look at the very start of verse 4 in this. The wicked are not so. He goes on to contrast with the rest of the psalm. That the wicked. This is not true of the wicked. uh, it's, It's true of those who are right with God. Let me give you one more simple verse. About storing up in this fall season. And if you're not taking notes this morning. Take a deep breath. Enjoy that. There's nothing to fill in. There's nothing you're going to miss. You don't have to hurry up and write anything. But some of you are note takers. I'd be writing furiously if I were sitting in your seat. If you are a writer, write this down. Psalm 119 verse 11. Psalm 119 verse 11 talks about storing up. It says, I have stored up your word in my heart 
that I might not sin against you. Fall is about taking the word of God and storing it deeply within you. Now, one of the things that's really hard for us is the idea of storing up food for winter, right? This is really challenging for us because, A, we live in a place where we don't have any expectation, aside from the one-off of, like, Y2K scares where people go and buy a bunch of stuff. But generally speaking, we're pretty convinced that every single day of this upcoming calendar year, there will be plenty of food for us right? There will be plenty of toilet paper. There will be light bulbs if we need light bulbs. Uh, we just It's hard to get our heads around this. We even live in a part of the country that we don't anticipate snow drifts up to the streetlights where we can't get to a store. We, we don't store up for winter. That's, that's not the upbringing that I had. But when you think about much of the world, how it lives today, and through history, how much of the world lived, this is a very real life or death concept. Some of you have known the incredible shortage that the winter time of the heart brings on. You've lived it. You've experienced it. And I think this is true. Once you have lived through a genuine shortage of the heart, of the inner life, you come out of that a changed person. Most often you are more keen to pay attention. How do I store things up so I don't ever have to go through and know that hunger and know that longing and know that long winter season again? If you are currently in a fall season, there's great reward to this. And my invitation, my challenge to you is if if this is you, harvest. Get on with harvesting what's there. Let me paint a little picture very, very quickly. You could add to it yourself. But let me paint a picture of what it might look like to have a a fall season of the heart. When you're in the fall season, when you pray, you're you're riveted by prayer. And you're hungry for more prayer. You you sort of just find yourself carving out times. And, And it's not like your prayers are just rolling around your head. It's not like your prayers are just sort of bouncing off of a church wall ceiling. There's a vibrancy to it and a filling that comes with it. How about reading the Bible? If you've been a Christian for more than maybe a year, You've probably experienced the joy of, of abundant Bible reading and the frustration of doing the exact same spiritual discipline with your time and reaping something totally different. In the fall seasons of the heart, um, it, is, it is no chore for you to open your Bible and read it. It's just a joy. And you just find yourself understanding things and pulling fruit off left and right. And the word of God is alive and living to you. It's speaking into your daily life. When you think about fruit and how a fruit blesses other people, God will give you things in the morning for your quiet time. You'll say, Lord, that's, that's so rich. Thank you. And you'll find yourself later on in the day with someone asking you a question. And you go, here, let me hand you some watermelon. Like, like here's something that I gleaned this morning from God's word. When you're in the fall season of the heart, that's how Bible reading is. How about knowledge? Some of you are hungry learners much of the time. Some of you aren't. But in the fall season of the heart, you can't get enough. When you sit in church and you're in corporate worship, man, this time is alive and vibrant. And you're just going, man, everything being said and sung and experienced is just, is, is just alive with grace. Makes me thrilled to be a child of God. And you're, you're grabbing podcasts and you're reading books and you're not even a reader. You're like looking up conferences. You're, you're just hungry in your job. You're, you're just a sponge and you're learning at a quicker pace. 
This is the fall season of the soul. Finally, let me give you one more category, that of relationships. In the fall season of the soul, relationships are just life-giving. When people say hello to you, when the most mundane, normal person that you see all the time, um, there, there's, there's a richness and a gratitude for that relationship. You don't see past them. You see them and you just go, man, I'm so thankful that I get to be your friend, that you're my roommate. And I'm so thrilled we're working together. I'm so glad I'm your parent. This is the fall season of the soul. Let me give you a suggestion for those of you who are in the fall season of the soul. And for those of you who aren't, maybe you do jot this down. Because maybe you need to hear it in another season. Here it is, ready? Fatten up for winter. If you're in this season, I mean, we talk so much. There's so many articles about watching what you eat, about having a food diary, right? About tracking all this stuff. How about on the opposite side, fattening up for winter? Having spiritual blubber that you just go, man, I'm going to pack it on now because when winter hits, I'm going to feed off those reserves in some crazy good ways. On the back of your handout this morning is a psalm reading plan. Uh, someone who's good at math, not named Gruya or Dave, came up with this. Brilliant. 30 days in most months, five psalms a day. You just kind of go through this. Once you start doing this, you don't need the plan anymore. You can just sort of, you can sort of remember how far you go ahead. This is a really incredible way to read the book of Psalms in one month. Here's what I would say to you. Maybe you're already in a reading plan and you're already working your way through the New Testament this year. Please stay on that plan. There's something really joyous about just going, man, I, I finished my plan. Maybe you're reading the whole Bible. Maybe you've got something else going. Here's a suggestion. If you're in the fall season of the heart, add this to it. If you already read in the morning and you have a carved out set thing, I've got my coffee, I've got my notebook, I've got my Bible, I read. Add this to the evenings. Say, you know what, I'm going to do this in the nights now. I'm in this fall season, I can't get enough. Here's a new reading plan that I can just begin to sort of percolate in the Psalms in the, in the evenings and let my brain sort of, sort of be on that. Let me give you a couple of more thoughts. One is this, the fall season of the soul. If, if you're hungry for God and you're hungry for God's word, let me challenge you to memorize the scriptures. Some of you, this is already a normal discipline. Someone taught you this. Someone modeled this for you. And so you just started to, to, to do this. For some of you, this is brand new. For some of you, this is really scary. Let me say this. Memorizing is really challenging for me. Very, very difficult. It's hard for me to memorize almost anything. But I work at it. And here's the truth of anything. Gria talked about exercising certain muscles a few weeks ago. If you exercise the muscle of memorization, doesn't it get easier? It does. You just start putting that discipline in. And what you are doing, you think about it. I am like a bear just foraging constantly. Why? Because right now is when the berries are out and when the bunnies are out. And I'm just going to eat and forage and keep going and packing on the pounds. And so memorizing big chunks of scripture. Start small, but begin to really memorize some big chunks. Let me say this. Uh, we have a couple of community groups that are still going. There's one called Women of the Word, which is just teaching you sort of how to, to study the Bible on your own. Look at that. Pursue that. Um, get involved in that. Um, when you think about storing, by the way, reaping the harvest, but also storing the harvest, 
Um, sometimes there's a prerequisite to storing. And you know this from your garages, because I'm not the only one I know. But sometimes you have to clear out before you can store stuff. Am I right? And so you, you only have room for what you have room for. And so think about your inner world for a second. If you are binge watching past reruns of seasons you've already seen of some TV show and trying to memorize giant chunks of scripture, those typically are in competition with each other. Do you, do you, do you follow? So clear out something so that you can store the harvest. Now that's just one example. I'm picking on TV watchers. That's an easy one because I'm not a huge binge watcher. But we all have our things. What is it that maybe you need to first clear out and stop doing? And you say, I'm going to set this down because I've only got two hands. And man, I want to harvest in this fall season like nobody's business. Let's just go into time for a second. What is it that maybe you could carve out and say, you know what? That's pleasurable. That's fun. But in this season, my life is at stake. The life of those that I love is at stake. My marriage is at stake. Our church is at stake. People's eternal salvation is at stake. I'm going to set down that play thing, and I'm going to pick up the work of harvest joyfully so. I'm going to make it my delight to meditate deeply on the word in this season. All right. So reaping and storing harvest is sort of the work part of fall. Here's the play part of fall. It's the feasting and the thanking. Okay, we're going into Thanksgiving time. Um, so feasting and thanking, uh, there are all kinds of psalms here. Uh, first of all, with feasting, most Americans that I know, they don't need help uh, being trained on how to physically feast. Like, we're really, really good at it. And in case we lose practice, uh, there's all kinds of helps to keep us on track, to learn and know how to feast really well physically. But how about in our inner world? How about spiritually? I think there, there's some, there's some room for growth. There's some room to keep that, that engine going. Do you know how to practice, how, how to put into practice what Psalm 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good? Do you know how to feast on God? Fall of the heart is the time to put this into practice. Turn to Psalm 65. In Psalm 65, and I'm just going to have you turn to one more, and then we're just going to rattle off a bunch, and you can jot them down if you want. But Psalm 65, verse 1 says this. Praise is due to you, O God in Zion. To you shall vows be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you shall all flesh come. When iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. If you listen carefully, you see the spiritual harvest being talked about. Prayers that are heard, forgiveness of sin, intimacy of God. And then as you see this psalm unfold, you see that feasting and festivities go hand in hand. Eat your fill, church. I mean, go guilt-free into the goodness of God and enjoy the abundance He provides. Find yourself pure satisfaction. Some of you know the utter nausea that is provided when you have filled your soul up with something else. You go, man, I've had my fill of other things. It doesn't satisfy. It makes me want to throw up. And so when you've 
tasted in that in another season of life and you get the satisfaction of God, go after it with all of your might. Listen to Psalm 36, verse 7. It says, How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Listen to this. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. Psalm 63, 5. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Let me give you a little hint. There's a daily practice that most all of you do regularly without fail. And that is you eat every single day. What if right before you eat, I know that giving thanks is not a new thing. But let's add to giving thanks for a second. Um, Something that we do periodically and we say it out loud um, is this. Is that in the midst of a meal, right before a meal, we give pause... And we smell our food. We actually take sight of the look of it. And there's something to how God chose to refuel us that is pure gift. I mean, think about it. He could have just made a little tablet that pops out of your pinky every few hours and you just eat it. Right? Or it pops out and it just slides down your finger and it goes in your bloodstream and you're refueled. Done. That's not how he chose to do it. He chose to do it with crazy good smells and sights and the combination of foods and this endless variety. And isn't there anticipation just sitting at a, at a, at a group of people that you love and hold dear and you just look and go, man, we're about to celebrate and, and eat a meal here. How about instead of looking past that, how about instead of giving just sort of a rote Thanksgiving prayer, what if built into that is God help me taste and see your goodness that isn't physical food? That's these other things. Help me to eat this rich, satisfying, beautiful food, but help me even more to pay attention to and feast deeply and taste and see that you are good, whether I ever have good meals or not. So that brings us to Thanksgiving. Here's what I want you to do. Pencils down, pens down, iPads down. Maybe you can close your eyes. There's nothing on the screen to see. I'm not going to put these up. By the way, you can find all of these quite easily with free programs on your phone. You type in thanks in the Psalms. Do a word search of thanks in the Psalms. I want you to pay attention. What does this stir in you? What does this prompt in you? What does this make you feel? I'm not even going to read the references. Just listen. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults and with my song I give thanks to Him. Sing praises to the Lord, O you His saints. Give thanks to His holy name. I will thank you in the great congregation, in the mighty throng I will praise you. In God we have boasted continually and we will give thanks to your name forever. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. But we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. That is up through Psalm 100. 
That's not all of them. I've skipped several and there's way more to go. Note some of the things that accompany thanks and things that prompt praise. Did you hear in there that there's a recounting, a remembering? That you just stop and give pause. If you tend to struggle with gratitude and thankfulness in all situations, stop and give pause and recount the deeds of God. That's one of the things we do collectively as a church here on Sundays. Because our joy is magnified when we share. Remember, it's, it's one thing to experience joy, but it's another thing to bring other people into it. Notice how much of these psalms have community language. We and our, all the nations. Another thing you can observe is this. There's a cost to thankfulness. Over and over it says, I will give thanks. I will give thanks. I will fulfill my thank offering. I will, I will make a vow to the Lord. There's this, there's this offering of something, a cost to something in giving thanks. Finally, that we see that music and expression bubble forth regularly. There are a couple of kids in our family that when music hits, they cannot sit still. I mean, they're doing, what's this thing? They're doing that. They're clapping. They can't sit still. We just had a little kid parade thing at our school and everyone's sitting except one of mine who just heard the music and he's, he's just bubbling. There are, there's something about a Christian that thanks just ought to be oozing out of us. Doesn't mean we all express it exactly the same way, but that it's there. Let me say this, that um, thankfulness has its own kind of harvest. There's a certain um, contagiousness to gratitude. Um, my dad passed away several years ago, and I got the privilege of doing his memorial service. And I was doing his memorial service, and I shared this story about my dad. I said, my dad was one of the most positive people, one of the most grateful people you'll ever meet on this planet. And, and one of the examples I gave was Saturday morning chores. We'd be out, you know, using a push mower... When down at our local Sears, Sears was still a thing then, you could buy one that ran on gas or electricity. But here we were pushing it. My dad would say this, David, think of the opportunity this is. He said, there are people who pay good money to join a gym, to work out. We get to do it for free. And we get to accomplish something in the meantime. And if you think that's an act, that's not an act. That's just how my dad was at all times. He was genuinely joyful. I still don't find that much joy in pushing a lawnmower around. And by the way, I have an electric one that I inherited from my dad that he got after his boys left. <laughs> here's, here's, a story from, here's a story from this week. I'm at a function and I bump into a guy who's a pastor at Westgate Church where my dad attended and where we held the memorial service. And he said, Dave, I want to tell you a story. He said, do you remember sharing a story about your dad and how um, you guys pushed the lawnmower and it was for free and you don't have to be in a gym? I go, yeah. He goes, I want you to know that soon after that, he said, I quit my gym membership. As a direct result from hearing that, I quit my gym membership. And this man knew and loved my dad. He said, I quit my membership. And he said, I went to the end of my street. At the end of my street is, is a drug-infested, weed-infested, needle-infested part of, of the city that's just sort of a disaster, and everyone turned a blind eye to it. And he said, I started to just clear that out. And he said, within the first day, the neighbors called the police on me, uh, the pastor, there's a church there that sort of butts up against it. He was over his fence questioning him. No one really knew what to do with him. Why are you back there? 
And he showed me months and months and months later, he told me how much work it was. He said it was a good workout. And he said I was doing it for free. I was doing it as an act of worship and I was accomplishing something. He showed me the before and after pictures. It was astounding. Guess what? People don't do drugs at the end of a street anymore. It's taken away. It's cleared away. He sort of grabbed hold of this cursed ground, the weeds that came up, and he's, and he's tamed it sort of as an act of worship. Don't you love that? Gratitude and thankfulness is contagious. You can plant seeds in one season with gratitude that, that produce a harvest elsewhere. Let me invite the band to come on up. In a couple of weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to take time to actually very specifically look at some activities that surround each of these seasons. Let me just say this, that I have borne witness to people in this church that I tell them, I say, man, you're in a season right now where every single person you invite to church, they say yes. So you know what I tell them? I say, that's not normal. Keep opening your mouth. Like, keep inviting I know of other people who they just, when they share the gospel, people are saying yes to that. They're receiving the Lord. They're saying, that makes total sense to me. I want to turn from my sins. So I tell them, man, in this season, just keep going. Open your mouth all the more. Let me say this. We just finished a budget season for the elders. Hear this. There was no weeping or gnashing of teeth in my office as we wrapped up that meeting. There was no plates being thrown at each other. There was no yelling. Think about it. Families dissolve over money arguments. Churches blow up over arguing about budget. We had a robust discussion that ended in glorious unity, and we stopped and gave praise to that. We say, thank you, God. This fall season, we want to move the ball as far as we can. It's not our God-given right to always be unified as a leadership. Good, godly people struggle with that. We're going to guard that. We're going to do all that we can to keep the season going. But we may be entering a winter season at some point. While we have this unity, God help us while it's daylight to work as hard as we can, move as quickly as we can to, to be about your work.